Go ahead and grab your seat and grab your Bible and turn with me over to the New Testament book of Ephesians, please. Ephesians chapter 2 will be there in just a moment. While you're turning to Ephesians, though, I want to make you aware of just a couple things Jake already mentioned, but let me just put an exclamation mark to his comments. Number one, today begins our 21 days of prayer and fasting. And here's what that means. Over the next 21 days, beginning now through February the 2nd, we're going to have a specific prayer, a specific focus that we can unify around as a body of believers. Because we believe, church, that prayer is the first response. It's not our last resort. And so, as we start this year together, we want to start going before the one who is able to do all things and more than we can imagine. And so we're going to be doing that. Now, there's a couple of pieces on your chair. The first one is uh, sort of the bigger piece. I invite you to go ahead and pull that up and look at it for a moment with me. Front page, a couple little details there explaining what we're doing. On the bottom, however, there is some information, three ways to participate in this journey together. The first one is just simply to commit to pray the 21 prayers every day. That means starting today, you pray for spiritual next steps for all of us, that you would find your next step and that those in this body would find their next step to following the Lord. So it may be that for some of us in here, we're ready to take our next step into a ministry. For some of us, our next step is simply to put Jesus on in baptism. You know, you can talk to God, but but if you want to call him your father, you submit your life to him in baptism. Maybe that's your spiritual next step. Maybe it's inviting that friend to church, or maybe it's beginning to give and finding the joys in trusting God with what you have, or whatever it may be. Over the next 21 days, I invite you to pray and ask God each day for the things that are on here, as well as your own needs, concerns, and so on. A second thing is to join us every day. This is kind of an exciting thing. Join us every day at 12 noon on Facebook Live for a live prayer that basically, it'll be a corporate prayer Not done in the church building. Meaning you, if you are at your cubicle, you pause if you're having lunch, just pull up your smartphone or log on with your browser. Or if you're, you know, on the treadmill, maybe, you know, you can pray uh, that God will also let you not die while working out at 12 noon, whatever it may be. Or maybe you are at home or wherever you might be, you can stop and join us for just a couple minutes and we together as a body can pray together. It'll be a really fun time together. And then the third and last thing that I'd invite you to do is simply just be here every Sunday. In fact, just, just real quick, you do not want to miss the next two Sundays. I hope you don't miss any Sunday, but if you miss any, don't miss the next two. Next week, we're going to deal with some of the most practical ways to pray, as well as understanding more deeply what God is calling us into when we pray. So you do not want to miss next week. And then the week after that, You do not want to miss that because for some of you, you'd say, I would love to pray more except for the fact that I feel like God doesn't hear me when I pray because what about all those times that I feel like there are unanswered prayers? If you've ever struggled or wondered about why is it that God may or may not answer prayer in the way that we want, then in two weeks you need to be here because we're going to just kind of take a deep dive into that. And so over the next few weeks, get involved there. Second thing to do is on the back we got the 21 days here. We also have it on this nifty little postcard so you can carry it with you more easily. But you've got the 21 days. And then here on the second half of the bottom page 
is just some ways to fast. We talked about fasting this past Wednesday night. Uh, we'll try to make a, uh, n- not, the, not the actual teaching because we did not record it, unfortunately, but the, uh, some of the notes or some of the ideas, we'll try to make those available for any of you who say, well, what is fasting? But simply, fasting is foregoing food or not eating food so as to focus on something spiritual with the Lord. And so I invite you to, to join us in that. It may just be one day a week you take a few meals off or a whole day or whatever it is that you want to do. There's some suggestions there. So just wanted to get you involved there. Second thing, and I'm really excited about this. Next Sunday, beginning next Sunday, we are going to have, at the conclusion of each of our services, right after the message, we are going to have a dedicated time of prayer as a church. What that means is starting next Sunday, we will have some uh, prayer leaders down here. It'll be their, our, our elders and their spouses, and they will receive people who want to receive prayer. Because we believe that prayer is an important and valuable thing. It is the most powerful thing you can do on earth to touch eternity. And so we are going to have a time of prayer. If you want to come forward for prayer, you can come forward. If you have a praise, you can come forward. If you want to pray for someone else, you can come forward. If you want to pray for yourself, you may come forward. And for those who say, you know what, what if I want to get baptized? Hey, you come forward, we'll pray, and then we'll baptize you. And so starting next Sunday, we will have dedicated time of prayer at the end of our gatherings so that all of us may take our next step going before the Father in prayer each Now, with that in mind, I want to turn our attention to today's topic. And and before I put it up on screen, I just want to ask you a show of hands. How many of you drove or rode in a vehicle to get to church this morning? Can I see some hands? Outstanding. Now, if you're like me and you are less than talented when it comes to the automotive such stuff... In fact, I grew up in a family that my dad, he's a great man, he's very good at a lot of things, but cars were not one of his things. In fact, he often would joke that he was always very tempted to trade in his vehicle whenever he ran out of gas because he wasn't sure how to even change that. So I did not grow up in a home that knew how to fix things and all of that. So if you ask me, Josh, how does a car work? I'd say, well, it's very simple. You get in the car. You take this little metal thing, or if you're in one of those cool, hip new cars, you push a button. It comes on. Then you engage the gear, and then you push a pedal, and you go. That's how a car works. And some of you would go, amen, that is all we ever need to know. But then there are others of you who know that when you get in a car, what seems so very straightforward is far more complex. In fact, some of you could take us to the hood of the car, you'd raise it up. And you'd show us this big black thing, and I think it's an engine, I'm not sure, but you'd point to it, and you'd start saying, well, this does this, and this goes there, and this runs this piece, and this helps that. And of course, if you're like me, and you don't want to look like you don't know, you'd be like, hmm, yeah, oh yeah, hmm, I have no idea what you're talking about. But you'd explain that it is far more complex and far more involved than simply what we see at the surface. Here's what I want you to know this morning, church. Prayer is far more involved than most of us realize. And when we understand what is actually happening when we open our mouths or even just open our hearts in prayer, A, it would boggle our minds, and B, it would make us incredibly bold when we pray. So let me give you a working definition for prayer, and then we're going to dive into this idea of prayer today. So, 
Prayer is simply dependence on God. Prayer is dependence on God. Someone could say, well, isn't it a conversation with God? Absolutely. And there's probably a bunch of other definitions, but what I want us to see today in particular is that prayer is dependence on God. Because when we pray, most of us assume that this is sort of what happens when we pray. Meet Bob. Everyone say, hi, Bob. Or it can be Bubba if we're in deep south or wherever, okay? But you got a little character here. Now, when we pray, here's what we think happens. Jesus says, when you pray, say, what's that word, church? Father. So when we pray, we think, okay, this is what happens when I pray. We pray to the Father, just you. It goes up. It's done. And maybe, now maybe you then say in Jesus' name, sort of like hitting the send button on an email, right? So you say, dear God, you hit send with Jesus' name, and that's it. Not really. There's a whole lot more that is going on when we pray. And so for the next few minutes, I'm going to invite you to just kind of dig deep into something here. And on the back of your uh, bulletin should be a space for notes. There's a little diagram there. I'm going to invite you to fill it out as we go this morning. Take it home with you. It might be something you want to think about and reflect on over the next few days in this series. So what happens when we pray, church? Certainly we pray to God. But Scripture teaches that far more than simply you opening your mouth and it going up happens. And to understand what happens, we need to take just a quick moment and remind ourselves of the fact. What we believe as a church is that there is but one God in three distinct persons. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. One God, three persons. You say, why does that matter in prayer? Oh, friend, it makes every bit of difference. In fact, you say, well, where do we get the idea of there being one God in three parts? The word we use is Trinity. Where do we get that idea? Well, we get it from all over Scripture. But the best place to go is from Jesus' words himself in Matthew chapter 28 and verse 19, where he says, talking about baptism, he says, and when you baptize someone, you baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Three in one, God the Father, Son, Spirit. They are all one God together. And they're involved in prayer. Here's what I want you to see. Let's go now. Ephesians chapter 2. Look down with me to verse 18. And here is what we see. And there are three people, three parts of the Trinity, and each one has a distinct job or role. Notice this. This is Paul the Apostle writing. He says, For through Jesus, we both, talking about the Jews and the Gentiles, we both have access to the Father by the Spirit. So if you want your three points for today, it is through, to, and by. Through, to, and by. Or to, by, through. Whatever you want to be. But it's those three words. This is the big idea. When you pray, more is happening than your words in God's ears. But the whole Trinity is involved. So let's just kind of walk through this. I want you to see this morning how it works. So we start off, when you pray, you are speaking, yes, to God the Father. He is the one who does the work. He is the one who enables things to happen. He is the one who works his will in this world. But you do not pray on your own. You do not pray alone. For when you pray, we're told that you pray by the Holy Spirit. 
You pray by the Holy Spirit. You say, Josh, where do you get that? Well, I get that from Romans chapter 8. And if we had time, we'd look through this beautiful little chapter that the Apostle Paul penned to the city of Rome and the church that lived there. But in chapter 8, he starts talking about the work of the Holy Spirit. And I know some of us, I know, time out, I know some of us in here, when we hear the word Holy Spirit, we get nervous because we heard about the Holy Spirit once and it was accompanied with people playing with snakes or rolling around, or falling over, and all those things. I want, if you will, just kind of lay those visions and ideas down for a moment, because the Holy Spirit does not make you weird. The Holy Spirit does empower you, though. God in you. So it is by the Holy Spirit that we pray in Romans chapter 8. Notice what he says in verse 15. I love this. Now this is Paul. There's a lot more here. If you have time, go back, read Romans 8 this week. It's a great chapter. So Paul writing to these Christians says, for you did not receive a spirit, notice it's lowercase, a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the uppercase Holy Spirit of Sonship, meaning you are not a slave if you are in Christ. You are now a son or daughter of God. And notice this, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. Now, depending on your generation, when you see this word Abba, you don't think of God. What do you think of? You think of a music group who wore spandex. You do not think of God. But the word Abba simply means Father, so by the Holy Spirit we cry, Father, Father. The Holy Spirit is the one who empowers or enables that ability. But it's more than just that. Look at what he says now in verse 26. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but, now pay attention to this, the Spirit himself intercedes for us. Talks to God for us. Translates our words to God for us. With groans that words cannot express. Meaning, when you and I pray, have you ever had a moment where you want to talk to God, but you don't know what to say? I remember the day that one of the teens at the church I was serving in Texas was killed. And it was a a tragic situation. I remember when we found the girl, and I was there with the mother when the news came in, and I want you to understand, if you've ever been in a moment like that where you hear tragic, unexpected news, she crumpled. There were no words. There was just this gut level. (sighs) And the scriptures say, even in the moments where we don't know what to say, the Holy Spirit comes along, and he begins to work and interact, and he says, I got what you're feeling. I got what you're saying. I know it, and I'm going to... now." Weave it and handcraft it so that your words will match the divine ears of God. I've had the privilege over the number of years to be able to go to different places around the world and preach or teach. I've had the privilege of doing it in Poland and Egypt and other places, but most recently in Central America in two different countries there. And I don't speak any other language than English, and even that is a stretch on occasion. So whenever I preach, I always have an interpreter, a translator. So last time when I was in 
Central America, one of my best friends, his name is Jose, but we all called him Goyo because his middle name was Gregorio, and it also just sounds more Southern, Goyo. So that's what we did. And so Goyo was interpreting for me, and I remember we got into a pretty good rhythm. I'd say something, I'd pause, he'd then interpret. I'd say something, he'd interpret. It was really great. In fact, he was so good at interpreting. When I told a joke where part of the punchline is that you bark like a dog, don't worry, I'll share it with you someday. When I did that and he tells the joke, he barked like a dog. And it sounded like a chihuahua, which was really hilarious. And then after that, I then shared a couple other things. And I remember one moment in the message, I said something that took about 15, 20 seconds. And I pause. And he begins to interpret. But it doesn't take 20 seconds. It didn't take a minute. It didn't take a minute and a half. It took over two minutes for him to say what I had said. And I need you to understand, since I did not know what he was saying, I got nervous. And so afterwards, I said, hey, dude, what happened? He goes, no, no, no. I was, Josh, what you said was great. And I was waiting for the butt, right? But they don't understand what you're saying because they are from a different culture and context. Not only were the words having to be translated, they were having to be modified so that they would understand what I was attempting to say. Here's what you need to understand. When you pray to God and you think you're trying to communicate as well as you can, whether you know what you're saying or you don't, the Spirit of God says, I will and craft it and clean it up so that nothing you say, hear me now, nothing you say falls to the ground but gets to the ears of God. Now I know some people in here are thinking, well, wait a minute, if the Spirit does that, why in the world do we even need to pray? I mean, why don't we just say, hey, Spirit, you know it, let's go. I mean, why are we involved? A buddy of mine is a golf pro. I mean, he's not just golf pro in name. He's a great, great golfer. And I remember he was telling me how he taught his son how to golf. And certainly there was explanation about the swing and the grip and everything else and the stance. He said, Josh, when I wanted to teach my son how to golf, I didn't just say, you stand there and watch what I do. He said, you come here. And he got his son lined up. He got his feet just right, hand position, everything. And then my friend put his hands over over his son's hands. And together they took the swing and they hit the ball. And you ask the question, who hit the ball? The son or the daddy? And the answer is yes. When you pray, is it me praying? Is the Spirit praying? Yeah. You pray to the Father by the Spirit. But notice they're not the only ones involved here. You have this. And by the way, if you want to put a little note there, interpreter. But here's the next thing I want you to see. It is through Jesus Christ. And it's not just in Jesus' name, hit send. It is through the name of Jesus, through the person of Jesus, through the power of Jesus that we can approach God. So there's two ways to think about this when we talk about it being through Jesus that you and I get to pray. The first thing is we get to pray through the authority of Jesus Christ. You say, what do you mean by that? Well, there's this great story. don't have time to walk through all of it. But in Matthew chapter 8, there's this centurion, a Roman soldier, who had a sick servant. So he goes to Jesus and says, Jesus, my servant is sick. Will you heal him? And Jesus says, okay, sure, let's go. And the centurion stops Jesus and says, Jesus, 
if you just say the word, he'll be healed. And then he goes on to say, Jesus, I understand, because of my position, I understand what authority means. Where there are those who are above me in authority, who tell me to do things, and I do it. I have people under me, and when I tell them to do it, they do it. I know what authority is. And Jesus, you have authority. And Jesus was so blown away, he says, go, your servant is well. And then he says, and, and I've, I've often wondered if, if you could pull Jesus aside and say, Jesus, what were you thinking in that moment? And I think he would say, finally, somebody gets what it means that Jesus has authority. Hear me now. Cancer has no authority over the name of Jesus. A wayward son or daughter has no authority over the name of Jesus. A broken marriage has no authority over the name of Jesus. Nothing has authority over the name of Jesus. This would be a great time for the church to say amen. Thank you. Notice what Jesus says here. Matthew 28 verse 18. All authority. How much authority, church? How much authority, church? All authority. So you're saying that there is nothing over the authority of Jesus. That's right. Jesus is in control of every molecule, every atom, every thought, everything in this universe. But wait, do we not have free will? Yes, and we'll talk about that in a couple weeks. But you need to understand that Jesus has authority. Philippians chapter 2, 10 says this. At the name of Jesus, how many knees, church? Every knee will bow in heaven, on earth, and under the earth. The three spheres, the idea of heaven where God rules, earth where we live, and under the earth, talking about the realm of the dead or Sheol. He's saying it doesn't matter if they believe in God or not. When Jesus' name is spoken and that trumpet is sounded at the end of times, everyone, even Satan himself, will bow a knee. There is no one above the authority of Jesus. We pray through the name of Jesus because it's authority, but it's also a position. Yeah, you you pray in his authority, but you also pray through his position. You say, what position? Well, he is the begotten Son of God. For God so loved the world that he gave his Son. It's an incredible thing to think about. That God loves Jesus and he loves you like he loves Jesus. You say, no, I, that, there's no way he loves me as much as he loves Jesus. Oh yes, there's a lots of way that he loves you as much as he loves Jesus. In fact, in John chapter 17, Jesus, the night before he's arrested and tried, he goes out and he prays. And I love the fact that Jesus decided at this time that he was going to pray a prayer publicly And loud enough that one of his followers, John, could overhear it, write it down so that you and I, almost 2,000 years later, would know what Jesus prayed. Because in this prayer, Jesus prays for himself. Then he prays for his followers. And then he says, and I'm not just praying for those who are around me tonight. I am praying for all those who will follow me. Meaning, Jesus was praying for you that night. And then he says this in John 17 that I think is just mind-boggling. He says to God the Father, this is Jesus speaking, let the world know that you sent me and, notice this, 
You have loved them, all of us, even as, to the same extent, in the same way, to the same measure, you have loved all of us in Clear Creek, at Hickson, in Nashville, in Chattanooga, in Smyrna, in Laverne, in on Signal Mountain in California and around the world, God has loved every one of us as He has loved Jesus. When you pray and you say, in Jesus' name, you're declaring His authority, but you're also declaring His position and that both, because of what He did on the cross, is now granted to you. Now, you don't get to declare it in your name because it's, there is no power in your name or my name. In fact, have you ever tried to pray something in your own name? How does that work for you? So, I, just quick confession, I'll be real frank. There are many times that I have prayed in Josh's name. I've never used those words, but I've prayed in my own name. And here's how I know that I've been praying in my name. When I pray in Jesus' name, I am confident not in what I have done, but because of who Jesus is. When I pray in my name, I do it thinking that it's because of how great I am, I now can go to God. But I also realize when I'm praying in my name, have you ever had a day, let's just talk for a moment here, okay? Have you ever had a moment in your life where you did something you were ashamed of? that you wish you could kind of scrub over with a cosmic eraser? Have you ever had a moment where you just failed utterly? Or maybe it's not just one moment, but it's a repeating failure, 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 failure. Have you ever had those moments? And I'll be real frank, I have had those moments. And sure, there have been little moments where maybe I just, I was sort of wayward in the way I was thinking or behaving on a particular day. And then there are other moments that were those big goose egg decisions that I go, why did I do that? And it's in those moments that I get to discover, am I praying in Josh's name or in Jesus' name? In Josh's name means that I feel ashamed and I feel like I can't talk to God. After all, I failed. Well, he won't listen to me now. He knows what I've done. I can't can't talk to him. And it's in Josh's name when I've done really well, when I've had a good day. I I had my Bible time. I I did my prayer time. I behaved nicely. I didn't get angry at people when I was driving down 153. Those are the days when I'm like, I can pray today. Church, you need to understand that there is no difference in talking to the Father and you getting to go before Him on your worst day or your best day because you are not praying based on your name and how good you are, you are praying through the name of Jesus. It has only ever been about how good He is, never how good we are. Is that good news to anyone this morning? When you pray to the Father, the Holy Spirit is cleaning up the words and then the Son of God is saying, and I grant access, authority and position because it is not about what you've done, church. It's about what Christ has done and is now doing through you. When you pray, here's what's going on. You have a picture of the Father receiving, the Spirit communicating through the power and authority and position of the Son. And this is what is going on the moment you close your eyes, whenever you just take a moment to breathe out, Lord, hear me. 
This is what's happening. This morning, as we've said prayers, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit have all been with us. And they've been working through these moments. Do you understand that when you pray, you may want to write this down, when you pray, you are surrounded by God. You're enveloped in Him. It's not you trying to just talk to God. It is that God himself is enabling you to do it. He's prompting you. The Spirit says, you need to pray. And then the Spirit says, but don't worry, I'll help you. And the Son says, I will give you access. And God says, and I will listen and I will work. When you pray, God is at work around you. The Trinity is involved in prayer. I think the best picture of this happened about six or seven years ago. The church I was serving at the time, there was a group of boys who were in high school. They were seniors. And these were, these were sort of the all-star kids in youth group. These were great guys. They were good young men. They loved God. They, they, they were leaders. They took initiative. They were just the kind of people that everyone wanted to be. All the other dudes wanted to be them. All the parents wished they had sons like them or wished their daughters would marry them. It was one of those kind of group of guys. And I remember about six, seven years ago, I was told by the youth minister about this after it happened, but during their class time, a bunch of kids were sitting together, 60 or 70 kids, and these four young men, as the lesson is going, they look over and there's a young man who's a couple years younger than them, who had been visiting the church, only a few times had he been there. And like most people, when you're new someplace, you don't feel real connected, and so he was sitting off by himself in one of those hard metal chairs. And these four boys in the middle of the lesson, they get up, They walk over, and these four big old boys, each one gets down, grabs one of the legs of the chair, and they lift him up in the chair. And you understand, this is a short ceiling, so he's ducking now as they carry him. And they start to walk back with him. Of course, the class is dead silent. No one's talking, so they're going, what in the world is going on? And these four boys who are the in crowd, the leaders of the leaders, they take this new person, they pick him up, they carry him over, they put his chair down, and they take their chairs and they circle around him. You're with us. You understand that God has been conspiring since before time began to draw you into relationship with him. And when you pray, the Father, Son, and Spirit pick you up and they circle you and they say, you're with us. You don't have to impress God with your words, church. Listen, because the Spirit is at work. When you pray, you just say, God, this is what's on my heart. And the Spirit says, I got this. You're with us. When you feel you have messed up beyond any comprehension and there's no one doing it there's no going back and you think how can even God look at me you understand that in prayer you simply say it's in the name of Jesus I come to you father and he says I've got this because you're with us and the father the father the father the one who sent his son for you he reaches down he wraps his arms around and he says you don't worry child because you are with us this is what happens when We pray. So let's pray. Let's go to Him with confidence. We're about to have a moment of invitation. Before we do that, though, 
I want to invite you just to kind of close your eyes, bow your head. I invite you to still your heart for just a moment. I encourage you to put both feet flat on the floor and just kind of get, get in a position that you can kind of just be there with God for just a moment. And if you will, go ahead and close your eyes. And I want to invite you just to reflect over the past week. Is there anything that you just want to tell your God, your father, your dad? Is there any success, any moment that you just want to thank him for right now? Go ahead and do that. Thank him that he loves you enough to have given you that gift in that moment. Is there something that's happened over the past week that you wish you could just kind of hit the delete button? Or maybe it's not been a week, maybe it's been a month or a year or a decade or a lifetime of choices. And you just go, why, why, God, help me, why? You don't have to be afraid to speak to him because you do not speak in your authority but in the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you that you hear us when we pray. And that when we pray, you work, you act, you involve yourself. Thank you, Jesus, for lending us your credibility and your status, so that when we pray, we know the Father hears us. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you interpret what we say, and even when we fail, you are the one who is able to make perfect words from imperfect groanings. I pray this week you will encourage us, each one of these 21 days, to simply cry out to you knowing that you surround us because you love us. In Jesus' name, amen.